0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 87 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by our title sponsor, Omega Fields, natural omega-3 supplements for your horses. And Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. Today, we have an international flair to the show for you. This is Debbie Lauchs, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And I have my producer, Coach Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings, Debbie. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How's it going over on the Florida side? You getting getting to be into a horse show mode yet? Uh, Actually, here in Florida, the horse show
2: season kind of peters out right around Easter because it starts to get toasty and everybody heads north for all of the competitions up there. I see. So Great. the majority of the competitors have left town. They usually leave right before the Rolex Kentucky three-day event, and they head e- head north. And the the uh, hunter-jumper folks start to head north to the east coast and northern circuits. So things actually settle down and get a little bit quieter
1: here in the summertime. I hadn't thought about that because we're on such opposite coasts. I mean, it's almost like you're in a different country to me yes. because like <laughs> your weather is different. Everything yeah. is different it's yeah. almost like you're in South America and I'm in North America you know to yeah. me <laughs> well it's it's gorgeous year round where you are isn't it it's pretty moderate let's call it that you know we don't really have seasons here um, we don't have you know they i mean it gets warm in the in the summer and it gets colder in the winter but uh, where I am it doesn't even freeze so yeah it's, now you know. is the competition season in your part of the <laughs> world yeah. is it
2: is it pretty steady year round or are there distinctive
1: Season no, I think I think there's a season to it, definitely. people uh, even though you can ride all the way through the winter here and every everybody does. There's a definite feel about this time of year, about Easter time. you start to feel like, okay, everybody's changing. They're buying stuff. They're cleaning their horses up. They're, you know, mm-hmm. the, everybody's getting ready for show season. It's already started, really, about yeah. about Easter time, about April. it mm-hmm. starts. And it goes strong. I mean, there's a lot of competition for for horse shows, for for your your energy, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's just you could do anything all the time. And a lot of people do, especially in Southern California. I'm not as familiar with the Northern, but I imagine it is. I mean, uh, this next Monday I'm getting in the car about four in the morning and I'm going to go up to Clovis, California, which is in Northern Cal because there's a, an event happening up there that I wanted to see and see old friends. And, uh, you, just, you can literally probably find anything going on at any time. That's like seven days a week if you want to.
2: How interesting. And that's one of the things that is unique here in the United States, Verse, well, maybe not here in the United States, but it's very, very different than the European horse culture in that. Um, whereas here in the United States, everything about horses is so regional. When, mm-hmm. when when the horse show season is, how they turn their horses out, how they tie their horses up, what kind of cowboy hats they wear. It's <laughs> true. It's all <laughs> incredibly regional. And until I got out in the world and started working as a professional in different parts of the country. I was completely oblivious to that.
1: Really? Yeah. yeah the,
2: fir- the first time I ever got outside the mid-Atlantic area of the United States, um, I was like, really? Really? <laughs> it's fun, it, it's crazy,
1: yeah, there's a lot going on, and, and I think you know, the world is getting smaller, right? Where we travel more and we mix it up more and we even get our horses around a lot more than we did a hundred years ago anyway. and um we have such an international group that goes through the school on the farm, the yes. the International Learning Center, yes. it's called the International Learning Center for a reason, because um. You have these people that either have a lot of experience with showing or a lot of experience with the back end of the showing. In other words, they were the grooms and they were the the horse handlers or they started the horses. So we even have kind of a cyclical feel to that, too, of what they're involved in and when they can come to the school and when they can't. And it's so interesting. Like we'll have the from the thoroughbred industry, those uh, guys and gals that are involved in the in the sales you know the sales pavilions and all mm-hmm. the work that they do in kentucky and new york you know you'll get them coming through and they want to learn all the the horsemanship on the ground and how to handle how to make a horse overstride, how to horse how to have a horse stand still look good uh, desensitized to all the craziness that goes around and um it, it, it's fun to solve all those problems you know it's fun to chew those off as projects that are so specific so we get to learn a lot about the different challenges that they have the the different things that they want to train for too it's really fun like right now jamie jennings is at our advanced course there's seven so i believe seven students in it three from South Africa. She's probably talked about this, but we've got, um, Switzerland represented. We've got us one with Jamie represented and, um, they all have different reasons for being there. I was just talking to Simon from South Africa yesterday and he's, he and his wife, she's staying with him while he's here for the three weeks. They basically closed a business that they had in media in South Africa, seven years strong. Now like Still have their talents and abilities to write and graphics and all that, but they they put out magazines. They're pretty pretty big company. They closed the doors to come and chuck it for uh, learning to get certified and handle the horse. And I went, that is incredible. That you know you made that huge commitment. You're here from South Africa. The economy is not so great over there either. And they're going back. And I said, so what are you going to do with this? You know, what is your goal and aim. I know you love the concepts. I know you chucked everything for it, but what are you going to do with it? And he said, ultimately, I want to do lead up, which is our youth. It's the thing that we just launched uh, that affects children in, um, you know, under, uh, I don't want to say at-risk youth because it's such a, uh, you know, it's such a big group, but it's, it's kids that are deserving who are underserved. I'll put it that way. And they want leadership skills and they're just not Going to get them in their normal routine of life. We have a program for that. Fourteen to twenty-two is what we ran our science trials on. And he, and I can't believe it's coming out of his mouth. That's what he wants to do. We literally have been developing that program. And I thought, wow, that is really cool. He wants to give back to the youth using the horses, and he's got to learn all these concepts to work with both the horses and the kids.
2: What's well, interesting in the the thirty thousand thousand foot view of Uh, Monty Roberts and the language of Equus, Mm -hmm. how it's reached that maturity level that now it's the point that adults who have learned this and accept Mm -hmm. it and embrace it now want to pass it on to their kids. And Mm -hmm. that's how cultures evolve. They, it gets to the point where the children of that culture want to embrace it and they are raising it. It's kind of like if you were, if you were born after, let's say 1998 or so, 18 or 2000, you are completely immersed in what a computer is. It's mm-hmm. literally part of your culture, your existence, whereas people born before that, it's something that you were, you were introduced to as, a, as an adult. Mm-hmm. And no matter how good you are at it, your perception of what it is is different. So it's yeah, kind of cool now that there's going to be kids growing
1: up. That's all, that's all they know. That's all they know. It's very cool. Very cool. And you know, it's actually going to speed up the whole process of gentling yes, horses and, sure. and working with horses because you don't have the setbacks. You don't have the adrenaline, you know? And uh, and actually, we're going to hear from uh, in this episode, we have the Monty Roberts International Learning Center's head instructor, Denise Heinlein I love from these. Germany. Keep oh, she is so cool. I, I think she's missing an adrenal gland too because she's just. <laughs> Always so consistently good and quiet with her horses. And she's coming up with uh, some courses in May for teaching kids. So there you are. Look at that. So teaching can, kids join we, up. We can look up, look forward to youth classes. Exactly. Oh, awesome. We thought we, we finally got it figured out. So we have a curriculum that we can, uh, you know, do consistently and safely with kids. And it'll probably become something that goes all over the world, but it's being, it's being started here first so that we can come up with a curriculum. And then, um, You know, and getting the word out will be our next challenge. And that's kind of like the other guest we have, Janet Rose uh, with the um, Equus International Film Festival. She is a huge advocate of getting the word out. So, you know, we're working with these people so that we, it's a one-two combination. It's really wonderful to know these concepts and to be able to teach them to a small group. It's the next level when you can really become pervasive and share out there with all these these would be join-up gals and guys.
2: It's going to be so cool. Well, let's get yeah. to let's get to our first guest from Omega Fields.
1: Well, welcome. We've got Omega Fields Sean Moriarty on today with us. Hi, Sean.
0: How are you guys doing? Glad to be here.
1: Glad you're here. We're excited to put you in the title sponsorship position, and I wanted our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. We know the company. We certainly have. Uh, Talked about the company a lot. We've had many of your customers on who are just devotees. We've had Joe Camp from the natural horsemanship world, Joe Camp and Raphael Vallee and uh, his horse Ivory Pal. Of course, Ivory Pal let Raphael speak for him. But um, you have a lot of high performance people uh, using your product as well. And um, I, I wanted people to get to know the people behind your company a little bit so they know why these. People are coming to you. Uh, your wife, uh, Brenda, uh, and you have had this company for about 15 years now, as I remember.
0: That's correct. It seems hard to believe, but yes, it's been 15 years.
1: already, huh? And you've got kids, uh, Andrea, who uh, is involved in horseback riding, uh, only 11 years old. But you put Connor and Colin to work in the company as well, so it really is a family-run business.
0: Yeah, the boys have been uh, full-time active for Three to four years now. They're in their mid to uh, late 20s, and so it's it's been great to work with my sons. I I love it, um, and they're doing really well, and love the business. So it's it's been a great joy to have all of us connected, and so it's. I look forward to coming to work every day.
1: Oh, that's nice. That's great. So do we. And I, and I love family-run businesses and family-owned businesses. That's ours, too, and probably a lot of people listening. Uh, but we love your product. Uh, I love working with your... your um, the people that you have working there have been amazing in their professional uh, education. And uh, we had a horse named Cadillac, and that's how we first got introduced to you. You sent us some product to put uh, one of our... Willing Partners Horses Cadillac on, and he blossomed almost immediately. And my mom went crazy and started talking about this product called Horse Shine. And I wanted you to tell a little bit about why Horse Shine and omega-3s are so important to the horse.
0: Absolutely. Flax is a very ancient whole grain, um, very rich in omega-3 fatty acids. And the research has Seems to get better and better on what it does in human and animal nutrition and horses specifically. It has amazing impact on hoof quality and condition, uh, digestive health, uh, joint mobility, and skin and coat uh, issues. You mentioned the blossoming effect, the, the the shine, the health from the inside out is is uh, really. Uh, horsepower to that product is the flax and the omega-3 and we perfected a stabilization process in our milling environment to give that product great shelf stability so it's it's usable in uh, barns all across the country from um, during the very cold months the very warm months it's a very shelf-stable product uh, that we helped develop that technology
1: Hey, those omega-3s are, um, I, as I understand, the only natural source of omega-3s in a horse's diet is typically fresh grass, which is hard for people to get all the time for their horses. So what you said is really important.
0: Well, exactly. We believe that horses were created to be grazers. They would get all of their usable nutrition if they were kept on live natural pasture all their life cycle. But 90-some percent of all horses kept for pleasure use or competition are simply not kept that way. It's not feasible. And so they become omega-3 deficient quickly. And that shows itself in those issues I mentioned, dry, cracked, brittle hooves, joint uh, stiffness and inflammation, poor coat quality, skin conditions. And so omega-3 in their diet um, is is not very prevalent in most commercially available horse feeds. And so supplementation with omega-3 is essential. And uh, we don't believe there's a necessity for 15 different types of supplements when omega-3 is what they're primarily lacking. And Mm -hmm. so we make a line of supplements and treats focused on that uh, flax-based omega-3. And it delivers a significant amount of that into their diet and the turnaround is very quick. Within okay. three to four weeks, most of our clients will see a, a strong improvement in all of those areas mentioned in about three to four weeks. So it's it's really amazing to see.
1: Yeah, it is. It, it's a beautiful thing to see, really. And And a lot of people are getting turned on to this. Flaxseed and the omega threes, and and knowing what they do, but I see a lot of grinders in a lot of barns, and people are grinding that flaxseed up because of that uh, hard shell on the outside. But you figured out a way to stabilize ground flax, and I think this might change a lot of lives.
0: Exactly, we own the the milling facility that makes Omega Horseshine uh, for many years, and it was a proprietary technology that really was responsible for bringing the first commercially available food products to the market because as most people know that have tried to grind flax on their own it goes rancid very quickly it's 40% plus oil by volume and as soon as that it's a highly polyunsaturate oil so it when it's exposed to oxygen it goes rancid quickly well we developed a non chemical uh, process for stabilizations, all natural. Um, and it guarantees at least 18 months shelf life at normal temperatures. Um, and it's it's been very proven. Uh, as I said, it's our products sit in a barn from South Florida to Alaska. And the conditions are, the product is very shelf stable.
1: Yeah, very good, and that's—I mean—that's what sets sets Omega Fields out, in my mind. Um, but there are there's—I was looking at a top six industry comparison chart with Omega Fields and a lot of named uh, companies that uh, people would recognize. What are some of the other important ingredients and nutrients that are in Omega Flax?
0: Well, we have our our flagship product, Omega Horseshine, is a formulated blend with stabilized flaxseed. We use an organic um, Diamond V yeast as a uh, digestive aid. Uh, there are high-quality ground oats along with vitamins and minerals like selenium, copper, um, vitamin E, folic acid. Um, and so we, we formulate this not as a complete vitamin-mineral uh, product, but Omega Horseshine is meant to deliver high amounts of omega-3 with um, nutritionally valuable vitamins and minerals that are cooperative in the digestion and or synergistic in helping um, metabolize omega-3 properly and it's it's been our flagship product uh, as you said for over 15 years we're really proud of it we get hundreds and hundreds of comments uh, from customers that just can't believe the difference in their horses so we'd we'd love your your listeners to give it a shot we offer a always have a hundred percent money back guarantee if for any reason it doesn't do what we promise you can return it and i'm happy to say in 15 years uh, that's almost never happened so we're we're really proud of the product and we know you'll see the results when you try it
1: that's fantastic. How can people find you and, uh, and how do they get a, take advantage of that product to offer there?
0: Our products are sold nationwide through um, prominent retailers uh, like Tractor Supply, Smart Pack, Dover, um, Jeffers, Equine, some of the catalog marketplace. They can come, if it's not available locally where they are, they can come to Omega Fields. Dot .com and and buy it directly from us. We do ship every uh, day, Monday through Friday.
1: Perfect. And the products now, Horshine is now available in Canada as well, all right?
0: It is. Perfect. It is available directly in ca- the Canadian market currently is only served by us directly through omegafields.com.
1: Okay. Well, thank you very much today for uh, sharing a little bit with us Sean Moriarty and Omega Fields. Denise Heinlein has loved horses since she was five years old. She has traveled the world training horses and has settled now in California as a specialist in teaching students to gentle horses and to help horses overcome phobias and remedial issues. After teaching classes and courses in Germany and getting a lot of experience in the thoroughbred industry, she's now working and teaching at the Monty Roberts International Learning Center in California. Well, welcome, Denise Heinlein. Nice to have you back, literally.
3: Thank you very much, Debbie. I'm so glad to be back. We are having a wonderful time again. Like the horses are the best teachers in the world, like always. So just right now, the advanced course is happening and uh, we see so much progress in the horses and the students. It's incredible. So I'm really glad to be back. Well, we're glad to have you back. Denise was
1: actually gone for a couple of months back to Germany, uh, her home. And then back here now to teach the advanced course and she'll be here to early June. And then I guess you're going to be doing some traveling
3: too. That's kind of fun. Yes, just a bit to see the wonderful country of America. So I'm very uh, glad I have the possibility to do so. Yeah,
1: you'll probably see some of that high country, Yellowstone, some of those places horses came from, right?
3: Yeah,
4: exactly.
1: Yeah, really fun. So we all want to jump in the car with Denise and her family when they go on that trip. But uh, yeah, we brought you in today to talk about the horses. Glad to have you back. And you've got some kids' courses coming up. And I thought, well, how interesting to hear. Why, Why did you put kids' courses, I know that was really your brainstorm on this, into the Join Up program that is at the MRLC, the Monte Roberts International learning center. Uh, Kids courses, usually when I think of kid courses, I think of pony club and I think of 4-H, you know, raising horses, learning how to ride,
3: but this seemed a little different to me. Can you describe what you're doing? Well, I had the idea that it would be the best thing (laughs) to start with the children already, you know, to create that awareness of how horses think and how you can be very safe around them and have fun with your horse, you know. So sometimes I see uh, when I've been around in different stables that it gets to the point where, uh, sometimes they, children just don't know how to handle different situations with their ponies. Mm-hmm. And then they, they kind of start to lose the fun to be around the horses. So I thought if we kind of create a kids weekend, mm-hmm we can teach the children how the horses think so they can then accordingly react to uh, help the horses out and kind of keep the fun factor in uh, the relationship of like horse and child and I thought that's really um, important to guide them in the right direction so Mm -hmm. this is not coming up
1: yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, we also have uh, an extra guest here today with us too, and uh, she's on the line with us. And this is Reagan, and Reagan has been here at Flag Is Up Farms before, taken uh, the riding with respect, and taken uh, and and been able to see some of our nights of inspiration where um, Monty or Dad also does the join up for everybody as a demonstration. So, hi, Reagan, how are you? Good. Good, and you're just a couple hours south of here in Anaheim, California, am I right? Yep. Hey, well, thank you for taking some time out of your day, because I know you're on spring break, so this is valuable time for you, right?
4: Yeah, it is.
1: (laughs) Well, we were excited to add you to the conversation, too, because you have a little experience here, and you all are a horsey girl. I know you were showing this weekend. Brag on yourself a little bit. What did you win this weekend?
4: This weekend, I won both of my classes by getting first place. And out of all the juniors at the show, I got the highest points. So I got a high point award.
1: Great. Yeah, and I have some cute photos we'll have to put in the show notes, too, because your grandma was was showing you off, too, a little bit. How old are you, Reagan?
4: I am 13. And my birthday is coming up soon, so I'll be 14 then.
1: What's
4: your birthday? July 30th.
1: Okay, I'm marking that down. Okay, 14 soon. Well, i really excited to have you on because, you know, you know Denise and uh, you have a little experience here at Flag is Up Farms and this kids course is something that I think really, as Denise ex- described, opens up a door to a much earlier experience. So many of us... Uh, us yes, giddy up and go gals, we call ourselves, are just learning about join up and, and maybe relearning some of that muscle memory. Is it nice to work with a blank palette, Denise? Is it nice to work with these kids who really don't have preconceived ideas?
3: Of course, it's like it's such a joy and it's amazing how quickly they pick things up. Last year, when we had the first children's weekend here, we I think we had um, six or seven kids, and it was. Uh, so much fun to work with them because I had to explain it one time and then they said okay of course and and other people have to work right. like so hard on it and they're just like yeah yeah of course tell me the next thing so it it was a uh, so much fun I loved it
1: so tell so that was the initial launch was last year so tell us how you thought of some of these things to do how did you kind of um make it kid-friendly as opposed to the regular classes
3: Well, actually, the children, they don't have to uh, change so much. Uh, Like, I didn't have to change too much uh, uh, about it. It's just about the information and to clearly make them aware of the... you know the language of the horse so they if they see some signs and they can kind of read it and as I said the children were incredibly fast to pick that up and so I just made a little bit of course we had to put in some uh, fun games and everything but it was all uh, connected with the uh, normal lessons we we uh, teach to the to the adults so uh to we'll describe
1: it, that so it will be closer to a join up course
3: yeah it's kind of a join up course we do a lot of ground handling to make sure that uh the children know the positions where they have to stand where it's safe to be around a horse so we have Plasmo here which is uh, Regan do you remember Plasmo our plastic horse yeah i do have you seen him? So we call him the best horse in the barn because he's <laughs> very patient. And so um, we used him, for example, for the children to uh, give them a red and a uh, um, blue. Um, this what you c- the
1: ribbon, the no, no, oh.
3: something to like paint on 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 uh, the ground, crayon or oh, chalk, chalk. Yeah, chalk. thank you. Sorry about that. I <laughs> couldn't remember the word. So um, the colored chalks, and they we said like please paint. Uh, plus more where it's safe to touch him for the first time and where it's not safe to touch him for the first time. And we were laughing really hard uh which kind of uh, areas they painted red where you're not allowed to touch him for the first time. So they had already quite a knowledge about oh, good. this. <laughs> okay, good. They weren't circling his ears or something. No? So, yeah. <laughs> so that was something which uh, they loved. So they had a lot of fun with it. And then we did blindfolding, long lining, so they can actually get in the position how the horse would feel. So we, we kind of turned it around very much so that the children be aware what they are actually doing to their horse. So we kind of put them into the horse position so they had to long line So you had each other. You had a human
1: and one was pretending to be a horse exactly is that right okay yeah. all right so blindfold you're blindfolding the children the, the <laughs> children okay but the, whor- the 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 child is playing the horse is not blindfolded so right have I got that
3: picture no right? no no you have to picture wrong the, actually oh, the horse, uh, horse was blindfolded, blindfolded because it had to trust the handler which the I children see. have to be the handler for the horses so you have to create the trust that your horse really does what uh, you ask them to do so if they would uh, not be really um, looking forward to guide the blindfolded person then uh, you maybe would have them uh, stepping on a cone or something Mm -hmm. of course we would like be close by so nothing can Mm -hmm. happen but it was just nice for the kids to realize what it feels like you know to be maybe a little bit pulled too much Mm -hmm. so you turn around completely but then that's not what you want wanted so it's like how important the soft touch is to be like guiding in advance Mm -hmm. to have like the whole scenario in your mind to Mm -hmm. see that the horses can really follow your guidance and not be surprised by a sudden move and things like this so it was good sense so
1: are you are you pretty strong on believing that people should get used to working with horses on the ground
3: before they get into the saddle yeah, I think so. I mean, of course, most of the people want to ride their horses, which I totally understand because it's the best feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. But to have your horse, uh, you know your horse and you be able to be the leader on the ground is so important because you can't be on the ground and not knowing what you're doing and then suddenly expect your horse to then trust you when uh, you are on his back mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, so I think it's really important. What do you think, Regan? Do you think uh, that uh, you have to be as clear and um, knowing your horse like on the ground too, or do you think it would be enough just to ride him?
4: I think that it's safer to be on the ground first just so then you can get to know them better and they could get to know you before you just hop on their back and start riding.
1: Yeah, that's good. I think that's a great approach. And it is kind of upside down from the way a lot of us grew up. And, uh, and Reagan, you and I were talking yesterday about a a book series that you and I are familiar with. But I read the book, and I think you see it on TV. And they incorporate join up in that. And uh, we, we were talking about Heartland, weren't we? I
4: love Heartland. It's the best show series I've seen so
1: far. That's fun. I mean, a lot of people agree with you, but not a lot of people know about it. You want to describe it in a few sentences? What's Heartland like?
4: So Heartland is like a heartwarming horse and girl story where you go on like these little journeys with the girl who seems to be a horse whisperer. And and during the show, you'll see that she has hard times, like the very first episode, her mother passes away. As they're saving this horse, and so the girl and the horse are like um, have hard times where the horse is now scared of horse trailers and storms, and the girl is now kind of afraid of the horse, and she's um, and she's also having a hard time because her mom passed away, and so the two ho- and so the girl and the horse go through this journey where they start doing join-up and then during the series she starts doing join-up with other horses and it's a really good series.
1: So do they use the kind of the language of the horse, the gestural language too? Are they pretty pretty explanatory about that?
4: Yeah, they are. You You can can pretty much much tell that she's just like, oh okay, this horse is doing this, this must because of that and this
1: means this it pretty much explains why you're doing things in the show whereas just showing you it yeah cool so maybe what we should do is we should have a few heartland episodes during the kids course that might be kind of fun so the story goes that monty was um traveling around england he was doing tours in the 90s and there was a publisher that had a pool of authors and this uh, they were approached Monty, and asked if they could use this horse whispering technique in their book series for children and and of course he said sure Uh, but they and they used the word join up i don't know how much is in the tv show because i'm i'm the book person and you're the tv one do they actually word use the term join up
4: I don't really think that they use it exactly, but they use words similar to it. I think at least one time they used the word join up.
1: Yeah, that's very cool. I mean, it's it's warms my heart that it's starting to um, not only like like Denise's kids chorus is, is uh, reaching out to the muscle memory of the very young now, um, but also that it's expanding to at least interest an audience of people that are watching on TV. So very cool. So that's what you're trying to do with this chorus is get us before we get all that bad muscle memory in us right you know and do things wrong for the horse
3: yeah exactly i mean if you think <laughs> about our our instincts are always to hold on to grab you know like the yeah. human uh, instinct is a little Petitor. bit different to to the horse's instinct so therefore we have to learn very early if we really want to become the horse's best friends that we have to adapt to their behavior patterns so I think the earlier you learn it, the better it is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all of the programs w- who are out there, like um who are teaching a lot of, you know, how to be safe and how to uh, make sure that your horse is healthy and happy And so they are doing a great job. So I just thought we kind of can contribute Contribute, Mm -hmm. uh, to it and um, open that fantastic way of like how Monty uh, designed or like um, helped us learn to uh, read the horse's uh, natural language and how to respond to it by our own body language um, to the children. So they Mm -hmm. kind of start off uh, in the perfect way thinking about that yeah so we should
1: mention the four signs for this for for this explanation are often the first one would be as the horse is circling you would be that ear locking on that inner ear of the horse locking in on the handler who's standing in the middle of that
2: Mm
4: -hmm. that
1: ring yeah Um, and people don't
3: need a round pin necessarily do they No, I mean, it is like what, uh, especially in the kids weekend, we try to make them aware whenever, even if they brush the horses, they lead them around, you know, to be aware what the horse is telling them. So how to read the ear, you know, where is the ear pointing? How is the neck? Is it looking up? Are they alert? Or if they are just walking around with you and so and I think Regan you know exactly how important it is to know those different uh, signs and reactions of the horses because if I understand right you have to take your horse from the barn around the neighborhood to go to your riding arena right
4: Mm-hmm.
3: yeah it's good to know what your horse is doing just in case like he's scared or he's
4: tense and like if there's something in the bushes or something because we're, I cause around my horse arena, there's like these big bushes. There's like a hill with all these big bushes on it, and there have been sightings of coyotes. So it's good to know if your horse is alert or.
3: And he's pretty relaxed. Yeah, exactly. So, and the more and more you learn about your horses and their language and how to respond to different situations, the safer you can be because then you know you don't get yourself into any hairy situation where maybe the horse's flight instinct is kicking in and he tries to flee. So, um, and that's exactly why I thought so many children like Regan who are taking their ponies all around, you know, and not 100% sure what a horses language is all about. Uh, if they would come and take those classes and learn more about the natural respond of the horses. And then that means the safer they get because they can think like a horse. So that's my main goal to make everybody think like a horse <laughs> 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 and understand what they, what they would do in the next step. So they can be re, um, prepared for it.
1: Yeah, I like that too. I mean, mothers like to hear we're all safe and us uh, and horsey girls just want to hear that we can have a better relationship with our horse. Is that right, Reagan?
4: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And, and I like how, I like how Denise described the, the children's course last year, that it's, it's really learning how to become your horse's best friend. And that means that takes in it all, doesn't it? It takes in safety because you're not going to be best friends with somebody who ran over the top of you necessarily. Um, although we forgive easily. And then there's also that relationship for the horse feels safe with you and, and that trust issue. And I think everybody, I think everybody who ever sees join up recognizes the magic that happens with it. And so I encourage everybody that's listening to, to, uh, To try and join it, but understand what it is before you go into it. Otherwise, you'll say, oh, it doesn't work. And we don't want to hear that.
3: Yeah, no, that's true. It's our responsibility. I mean, we take horses in our life, so it's our responsibility to make it as nice and easy for them to adjust to all those situations we bring them in. So therefore, like an early learning stage, um, I think it's yeah necessary and fun. And it's just incredible how you can get – bonding with your horse and do all those things Mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah have a 50 50 partnership and have the most fun with it fun with it yeah reagan
1: Well, thank you. I totally agree with that. Totally agree. I'm so glad. Yeah. And it's fun to talk to you today, too, Regan, because it's it's always fun to talk to a horsey girl. But you get it. And I, and I love that. And I really wanted to have you on for that. So I appreciate your time today. And Denise, I appreciate your time today, too. So thank you both for joining us on Horsemanship Radio.
3: Yeah, my pleasure. Regging, very nice to talk to you and again, congratulations to all your success and I hope it goes on like this for you because I saw you both together and uh, you're looking really like a dream team.
0: Hi, I'm Monty Roberts and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it too on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forum. And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com.
1: Montana horsewoman and television journalism veteran, Janet Rose, is the founder of Horse Haven Montana, a nonprofit horse rescue and adoption center in the, air quotes, Paris of the American West, Missoula, Montana, home to the Equus International Film Festival. Well, welcome, Janet Rose. I'm so excited to have you on Horsemanship Radio. Finally, how well are you? I am so honored to be on with you. I can't tell you. I mean,
5: everybody knows about your program and your history, and so it's very exciting.
1: Oh my gosh, that's nice of you to say. I would have said the same thing. I mean, Janet Rose and, and your media background alone, but um, that's kind of where I wanted to start with your story, Janet, And um, okay. which came first. I, You know, I've heard so much about you, but I actually don't know the timeline that well. Were you a Montana horsewoman first or a, a television journalist first?
5: No, I was... I was a radio and television journalist first, but always uh, very passionate about wildlife. And what I like to say is changing the world and using media to do that. So it's not too far, you know, from what I do today.
1: It isn't. Yeah. So when did you start the Horse Haven, Montana? Well, I moved
5: to Montana from New York about 23 years ago and in 2007 i started getting calls from people you know can you help me with this horse can you help mm-hmm. me with this situation and i said to them you know you're the rancher you're the person who's a really expert horse person but they felt that you know i had um i had experience you know, placing horses with certain families or making recommendations. I'm not really sure (laughs) exactly why people did turn to me, Mm. Um, to be honest with you. I mean, we were involved in 4-H and the girls were very involved with horsemanship and horses, but we were definitely not an expert family. Um, But people started reaching out and the more I started to do that where if someone couldn't keep a horse, I found a home for a horse. I realized, and at the same time, I should say at the same time, what we were hearing about and reading about and seeing was that there was an economic crisis going on in society, especially in the West, especially in Montana Mm -hmm. and people were abandoning horses Day, um, I believe that hay prices were soaring at the time. Yeah, where was what, definitely. What, what year are we in now? Is this like 2008? I think we're, yes, around between 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. 2009, and a Makes lot sense. of people were having problems. And, mm-hmm. you know, I guess kind of by word of mouth, one person would call me and say, you know, my neighbor, my friend suggested I call you. Then I started to work with the Forest Service and the Forest Service was saying, you know, we can't really use these horses anymore. Maybe you want to go to the auction and try to buy them there. And then right about 2010, you know, people were saying to me, you know, you're helping a lot of horses. You're helping a lot of people. Can I make a donation? Do you want to mm-hmm. apply for a grant? And we were just a, a private LLC organization. So I incorporated as a not-for-profit a 501c3, and then I was really able to work with the Forest Service and other federal agencies because through, I don't want to call it a loophole in the law, but there is a little unknown part of federal law that says that they can donate their horses to a registered 501c3 not-for-profit organization. So they were able to donate horses that they could no longer use, that they either were retiring or they Mm. couldn't do the heavy-duty kind of work that the agencies needed. And then we were able to find really ideal adoptive homes for these spectacular animals. Mm. And then dude ranches and guest ranches started contacting us and a lot of private individuals
1: and that's kind of how Horse Haven, Montana was born. My goodness, that's that's a great way to grow out of that. They must have seen something in you that was empathetic and passionate about the horses, <laughs> though, and recognized that you would well, take care of them. We're we're careful about who we give our horses to, aren't we?
5: Well, you know, I think, yes, we definitely are. And I think part of it is that um, I'm the kind of person who likes to, to look at a problem and figure out how we can It and clearly this was a problem that I was passionate about, and so you know just and then by that time I was already working in the nonprofit realm, and so I knew nonprofit. We'll say management or organizational development, and I knew that we had to develop a process so that we would review very carefully. Who was applying? I mean, there were a mm-hmm. lot of people who who said, "Oh, I'd love to adopt a horse," and we found out they already had twenty horses that they yeah. were caring for. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's a very careful process, both in taking in a horse and adopt in adopting out a horse. Mm-hmm. And um, but by incorporating as a nonprofit, then we were able to accept donations, whether it was donations of hay or tack or charitable donations, you know, of cash or um, grants from foundations. So we have a very small budget and it's all volunteer, but it goes right back into
1: the program. That's great. I mean, you're describing the plight of so many good horsemen uh, and women who have, you know, decided to go the way of rescue too, through circumstances, um, you know, uh, that just happen, you know, hoarding, all of a sudden you're thrown in, like there's, 300 horses next door to you, you know, and I just know story mm-hmm. after story, but, but you have a different, you, you took it in a different direction in order to, um, t- to really make this nonprofit even more successful or bring it, its attention to the world. And that was through this film festival. Uh, I know it sounds logical in your resume, but really what was the <laughs> moment? What was the moment that went, Oh, of course, this is what I was built for.
5: Well, you know, I was working for a wildlife film festival. I was the executive director of a wildlife film festival, and our purpose in having that film festival was to educate, to raise awareness, to inspire. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I started to receive quite a few films on horse issues, not only wild horse issues, which could make them applicable and appropriate to enter in the wildlife film festival, but also just all kinds of horse stories. And I thought, you know, there is this whole, we'll call it non-commercial, but there's this whole market and realm of films about horses that seem to be really growing, but there wasn't really an outlet for them. Mm -hmm. Simultaneously, I thought, you know, we're trying to raise awareness of what it means to care for a horse. What is responsible horsemanship? Horses inspire people, they move people, they they make us feel good, they heal us, they do all kinds of wonderful things. Might there be a way to create a film festival that would number one be an outlet for all of these incredible films on very important equine issues, where we could also raise awareness of the issues, reach more people, and use the opportunity to also promote adoption, that there is an alternative to slaughter. And of course, we can't save all of the horses, but if people can come to this film festival, learn about adoption, learn of the outlets that are available to them for help, and also just learn about good horsemanship, maybe we could blend the two and so that really was the mission and that's kind of
1: how eifs got started mm-hmm. equus international film festival
5: Equus um, international film festival yes. yeah
1: <laughs> and you really do take film from the world not just the united states all
5: over the world absolutely because they are being made all over the world the okay. issues are very a lot of the issues are very similar all over the world um and so we are trying also to reach an international audience. Yeah, good because
1: there's horses everywhere. That's that's true. Exactly. Was there one I mean, one horse that actually did something for you did you know was that the the story that pushed you over or or is it mostly uh, you know a, a, a love and desire to help horses?
5: You know, i I you know, you ask that and I think I think of Stormy, I think of Rosso, I think mm-hmm. of Misty. Each one really has had such an incredible impact because each one comes with their own story and their own history. And I think it's a little bit like when you think about your children and Each child is so different, and you love each child in a very different way. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, somebody was asking me about our latest or our most recent rescue horse who really came from very severe neglect and seemingly abuse. And I was very, very deeply touched by him. His name is Rosso and an organization has agreed to sponsor him for a year because they really want to support the whole concept of rescue, and he needs a lot of special care. He touched me very deeply because of his resilience, in spite of everything that is very clear has happened to him, he still does not have a mean bone in his body. He would not he would sooner walk away than lift his leg to kick someone. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure always that that's the best thing for a horse, but that is who he is. And he talks a lot and he's very responsive and he tries so hard while he's afraid of many, many things. He's also curious about many, many things. And so I've decided I'm going to have no, absolutely no expectations of him, other than we'll take it a day at a time, we'll take it slowly, and we'll see how things evolve. So he's touched me very deeply. But you know, I think back, and and even ones that are no longer with me. I mean, there are a lot, you know, through rescue and adoption, and their stories and their histories that. I have to say, have really touched me a lot. I mean, Stormy is one that we have a picture of him on our website. He came from the Forest Service and they said that, you know, they just couldn't use him, they couldn't keep weight on him, and they really couldn't use him anymore. And if somebody didn't adopt him, he was going to the auction and because of oh. his age most likely slaughter. And this this is an this is another animal that has goodness coursing through his veins and he touched a little boy who we believe had we were told he had ADHD and he was afraid of horses he didn't really have an interest in horses and he had focus issues and he and this horse i mean within the first day of meeting they were walking down the road they were they were just they were bonding and they were enjoying each other and That little boy has gone on to adopt his own horse, and he rides and he looks like an experienced horseman. And when you see things like that happen, both for the horse and the young person,
1: I kind of feel there's it doesn't get any better than that. That's it. Yeah, and now you're inspiring the next generation. You sound like you sound like a lot of us Mm -hmm. who are cause oriented. You know Mm -hmm. they. Either, either there's something about horses that breaks your heart or there's just something that just fills you with joy. What, what are the people that adopt there? Well, how, how do you find your people and what do they, how do they tick? Is this somebody looking for, um, to rescue a horse or is it really somebody who, um, who actually wants to come use this horse? Because I read a description that you educate, you, um, rescue and adopt out. Now, some people just rescue horses, But when you get into the adoption part, you know, often I'll see people repurposing might be the word. Yeah. Well,
5: we are definitely not a sanctuary. And I see a sanctuary as a place, which is wonderful, that provides lifetime care. But what Mm -hmm. I've also seen a lot of in the field of rescue is people don't start out this way, but they end up hoarding or they end up with so many horses that they don't really have the time or the space for, and they end up in small pens and the quality of life really shrinks. My goal is to take a horse that needs a home, assess it and find the best possible home that we can for that horse. So you're trying to solve the problem for the person who is giving up the horse, you're trying Mm -hmm. to solve the problem of what about the future life of that horse, and you're trying to find the very best possible adoptive home for that horse. I mean, we do end up working with a lot of older horses, horses that may have physical limitations, some don't. And we are not able to take every horse, Um, Mm -hmm. The people that contact us about adoption run the gamut. I mean, they range in age and type and background and story. And we are very, very, very careful, not only about who the person is, but is it the right horse for that person and the right person for that horse? I mean, we had, as an example, We had a family that was waiting for, they really wanted to adopt and they were very patient. They said, you know, when you have a few horses, that would be good for sort of beginners, kids, you know, where the kids can ride and not too challenging for us. Let us know. And they had already Mm -hmm. gone through the whole application process and they were approved because we knew that they had good facilities they were financially. They were willing to make the financial commitment, and they understood what horse ownership meant. But they also understood that they needed certain types of horses that would fit their background and experience, needs and wants. At the same time, they heard that I mean, we had a real crisis a few winters ago, where um, an older woman faced with dementia family was removing her from the property. Mm -hmm. And she said that if the horses were not taken off the property, she was going to shoot them, period.
1: Oh, my goodness. It it was a
5: terrible winter. We didn't know how we were going to get in there. So we kind of a whole lot of people marshaled the forces together. We got someone who was willing to transport. And there were about five or six horses living in what was basically... Garbage dump, I mean, with tires and metal. Oh, I just seen them. We've all, yeah, we've seen them, yeah. And yes, and so in that group, there were two pregnant mares, one of whom was a very still pretty wild Mustang, and then another one that was also a Mustang, but not quite as wild. Well, this family felt that they could at least provide shelter food, and veterinary care on a semi-foster situation until a more permanent home could be found. And what I knew of the family, I knew that with those limitations, they could do this because it was definitely one of those crisis situations we had to work very quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, fast forward, um, one of the mayors turned out not to be pregnant. One of the mares gave birth to a beautiful appy um, colt and mm-hmm. the the somewhat wild Mustang mare eventually went on to a 40-acre home in Wyoming with someone who really had the experience to work very closely with her. The cult oh, she went won the on lottery. to That's wonderful. She definitely, she rules the roost now. (laughs) That woman ended up adopting about five other, the combination of mules and horses, but had the wherewithal to support them all and had no expectations of them, other to live out their lives. The little happy... um,
1: You've got all Mm -hmm. these different angles at it, then you've got not only rescue, (laughs) but you have ownership, but then you have fostering in between, which is an awesome idea. I hadn't even, you know, heard much about people who will temporarily hold, and you've got to make that decision as to each person's exactly. qualifications or ability to do that. One thing mm-hmm. I'm picturing you now, I'm sitting you in New York, and then I'm making this <laughs> leap to Montana. And I'm thinking, what was it that I mean, did you just want to chuck the New York life? Or? No. or Well, yes and no.
5: <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, um, My husband had spent a lot of time in Montana, and he said, "I." We got together. We had known each other in radio for many, many, many years, and I always knew he was eventually going to move west. Um, and we got together, and we had a baby and a little girl. And he said, "I don't want to raise them in New York." And I was offered a position in Montana, and. So, it was a little bit of, Chuck, the security, the salaries, yeah, the everything. that's a big
3: thing.
1: Yeah. To and, Missoula. Yes, and a lot of people. To Missoula. Mm-hmm. Now, why do they call mm. Missoula the Paris of the American West? Well, um, Missoula has many different <laughs> names like oh, that. So you, oh, you I just absorbed all kinds of names, huh? <laughs>
5: Uh, but they call it the, some some uh media has called it the Paris of the West because it's very charming its downtown is historic it has a lot of little cafes it has a lot of little boutiques and shops but it's also very real it's very down to earth um so it has it has a lot of art and culture and galleries And wine bars and now it's becoming sort of a film capital too. Right it's really a very unique city, but
1: don't tell everybody. Uh, well, yeah, that's right. Right. Well, we're only killing more horse people. Yeah. Okay. So what a perfect place for the Equus International Film Festival. How did you, are you just like being orchestrated by God in all of this? I think he's, just, <laughs> uh, he's got a little you have faith. strings on you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the International Film Festival then. And I know you got it started and I know your cause now, um, but tell me what makes it special. Oh, geez. It's in Paris. um, We know that. It's in Paris. It's in the Paris (laughs) of the West. And, you know, what better place in the
5: world to have an equine-focused film festival than where the culture is Western and equine-focused? I mean, people come from all over the world with their horses. You have Rebecca Farms in Montana. You have Shows You have Western and English and dressage and performance and rodeo and all kinds of things related to the horse world. So it's kind of a wonderful place. Um, You also have this aura of Montana, as you know. I mean, worldwide, people think of Montana, the horse. It's an icon. It's a symbol. And so while that wasn't why we started it, It seemed kind of the perfect place for it because everything is really equine oriented. And how was the West, you know, how was the Western United States developed? It was developed by horses. I think what makes, I hope what makes Equus International special or unique is that we're very mission focused We really want to emphasize excellence in filmmaking, but we also really want to keep the focus on education and awareness and inspiration. So it's not only films. We wanna talk about horses as healers. We wanna talk about the, the role of horses in history and culture and how societies were built with horses. We have a very strong Native American focus and this year again, but this year the Native America Humane Society is participating very heavily in the film festival and you know that's a very big part of montana it's a very big part of the western United States, and it's certainly a very big part of equine culture so i I like that historic perspective that we can bring, and I also i hope that it will be a festival that really promotes adoption and welfare and the equine-human bond. So how can we improve what happens between the horse and human? And so hopefully a film festival is a jumping off point and um, a central element
1: of, of that kind of philosophy. Great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think anybody who's seen a good horse film, I don't care if you've never even right. been around a horse, you know, the Secretariats, mm-hmm. the Seabiscuits, all those wonderful classic horse films are touched by horses in a special way. And it makes sense that you put them all in a film festival together. People are going to be touched, Mm -hmm. whether they came there for the popcorn or whether they came for, you know, some cause oriented to help horses or to help your, um, rescue. I, I I, think you can get a lot of people believing in horses again, even though our, I know our West was founded on horses, but people are starting to see them as, you know, um, historical figure instead of a very current figure of a wonderful recreation Mm -hmm. and cause and um, part of the family. I think that's what you are. You know, mm -hmm. you know, so much, everything that I read about your
5: dad, Monty, and all of the work that he's done. I mean, it is so also human focused and humanity focused. I mean, how do we become better people, better parents, and yet, it's also built around the horse. And you know, I think a film festival hopefully can can draw people in, mm-hmm. where we can talk about those kinds of issues. And and the horse seems to be almost like a unifying uh, force in that way. It's so I love that. It's so symbolic. It's so inspirational. When you see pictures of a horse, and you feel something. I mean, so many mm-hmm. people do. Um, yeah. They're moved by this magnificent, majestic animal. And yeah. and it's been so symbolic of so many things throughout history. And so I think, you know, by having a film festival, we can draw people into that where they're thinking about things beyond just, you know, how do you ride and how do you care for a horse? And, right. and we've yeah. got these, we certainly have these amazing, big, dramatic films, but you've also got just incredible documentaries that deal with horses and deal with people and deal with children and deal with disabilities, and mm-hmm. there's just so much to learn and be moved by.
1: Well, oh, thank you, Janet. I, you know, thank you for for doing this festival and bringing it to our attention. Um, so you'll be in. September fifteen through seventeen will be your next film exactly. festival in in mm-hmm. missoula this year two thousand and seventeen yes. case in case people are listening to this um, recorded and um w- give us your website tell us how people can find out about you
5: well they can either visit equis international film festival or okay. they can visit our equine rescue and adoption website which is um www.horsehavenmt.org. I had to spell it out that
1: way or I wasn't sure. Oh, it's MT, T- Hay- like Montana. M- gotcha. Okay. Yes.
5: .org. Horsehavenmt.org. But if okay. you Google it, it will come up as well.
1: Perfect. Well, there, there are other equine film festivals, so we want to make sure we've got you, which is the International, Equus International Film Festival, and then Horsehaven... Exactly. Mt from Montana dot org. <laughs> Wonderful, thank you, Janet, thank for joining you. us and and telling us more about it. And um, I hope to see you in September. And I hope uh, we can share a lot of a lot of great stories together.
6: Whisper the language of the herd.
4: Listen, you don't have to say a word.
2: It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox. And share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty.
6: Leave this world a better place. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, how can I find the patience to repeat training exercises again and again with the horses? And how do I recognize progress? Monty's answer. A strong belief in my concepts gives me the patience to repeat procedures again and again. I know that they will ultimately be successful, and once you come to that conclusion, it will be much easier for you to express the patience required in this effort. The loss of patience, particularly in nonviolent training, is counterproductive. I have had a lifetime to discover that losing one's patience will eventually be viewed as a mistake. It is my opinion that we should practice the art of observing our mistakes, allowing us to learn from them. It is my strong recommendation to every horse person that they learn the language equus. Once we know the instinctual pattern of the horse's brain and the way horses communicate, we are far less likely to experience a loss of patience. The dictionary of the language equus can be found in my textbook, From My Hands to Yours. A profound statement made to me in this context was A good loser is a consistent one. We must not be good losers. This does not mean that we fall on the ground, pounding our fists, acting in an immature fashion. We must, however, feel the hurt of losing in order to be motivated to change our tactics. We should replay mental videos of the procedure in question. When we view ourselves losing patience, we should carefully note the outcome. I have found that over the decades, any time I lost my patience, my rerun of the mental video would show that my horse and I took a step backwards. Horses are forgiving individuals, and if we are quick enough to rectify our mistakes, they will soon be back on a positive track. Recognizing progress is certainly an art form, and I have to assume that each of us has some idea of what we want from our horses and thus can recognize the positive track. Learning the language and understanding the nature of the horse will fortify your confidence. These bits of knowledge will support your resolve to stay the course, watching closely for
1: improvement that you can appropriately reward. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says Get Free Horse Tips.
0: What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Yeah. Where in the world is Monty Roberts?
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two legged and four legged. May 13th is the Night of Inspiration with Monty and Pat in California at Flag Is Up Farms. And July 10 through 21 is Gentling Wild Horses course. Yep, that's our one where we work with horses that have never been touched before, and it's for all levels. And July 31st to August 4th, we have Monty's special training. And that's at Flag Is Up Farms in California as well. And that's our once a year work with Monty. Five five days straight and all kinds of horses.
2: And you can find all of that and more at Monty Roberts.com, where you can find all that information, or you can give them a call at flag is up farms. And the phone number there is 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com. That's the website and we'll have photos and more information about our guests and links And we love your feedback. It helps us make this show better. Follow Monty on Facebook. Just search for Monty Roberts. And uh, put your comments there. Put pictures up. Show us all the cool stuff you do with your horse using the language of Equus. And if you're a tweeter, you can follow Monty on Twitter. His handle is Monty underscore Roberts. And last but not least, don't miss any episodes. Download, Download the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network, download, download it today. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy.
1: Yes, and many thanks to our sponsors too, Omega Fields and Monty's Equus Online University. Be sure to visit the other great shows too on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. I will, thank you.